All right, well, we're getting started in life, believer. My life is supposed to be what God says my life should be. And anywhere in my life that my life is not what God said it should be, then I need to figure out what that part of my life is supposed to be like so that I can live it. And today we're calling the life of the believer is a life that prays. Every believer should have a prayer life. Now, the problem with it is this. A lot of believers don't. And so, it's amazing to me that there would be something so available to a believer and we not take advantage of it as what prayer can do in your life. The greatest investment you could spend your time doing is praying. All right? And this is the truth. You, you say, well, Kirk and I need to go to work. Let me let you understand something. Work that is covered by prayer becomes easier work. I'm just telling you the truth. There's no part of your life that can't get better with prayer. There's not a part of your life that will get better without it. And so, as a believer, the first thing I must understand about my life is, when I chose to be a believer and accepted Jesus as my Savior, I chose to accept the authority and the responsibility of having a prayer life. So today we're going to talk about it just for a second. It's amazing to me, because, see, people that don't have prayer lives is because they don't understand what prayer is. They think it's something that... You do just to get closer to the Lord. And I want to tell you that it's true. You, you can pray to get closer to the Lord. That's called the prayer of consecration. There are lots of different kinds of prayers in the Bible. As a matter of fact, let me get into I think I left it sitting right over there because I love my scripture, scripture references. And I like to geek out. So my problem when I write messages is I get too geeked out. That ain't yeah. I get too geeked out on the details. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool, and that's so cool. And so I try to put all these details in there. There are lots of different kinds of prayers mentioned in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm looking for my paper because I wrote it. Somebody must have, I must have, one of y'all stole it, didn't you? That's what, that's what I tell Jennifer every time I can't find something. What'd you do with my keys? Or, Jennifer, you stole mine, <laughs> and the drew out, I just laid it somewhere. All right, but there, um, there's a difference in knowing what to pray. And knowing how to pray. Okay? Because the what's are the mechanics. Like for that, I don't need a passage area. It was just scripture references I was going to give to each one. But there are lots of different kinds of prayers. In the New Testament, uh, the Bible talks about the prayer of consecration. As a matter of fact, 116 times in the New Testament, when it uses the Greek word for prayer of consecration, it's the number one used word for prayer of that time, I mean, it's 116 times in the New Testament, that word was used, the prayer of consecration. What prayer of consecration is, is prayer that I pray where I draw close to God, He draws close to me, and it's in an intimate union. Happens every time you come to the altar. Happens every time. And Jesus, He broke it down when He was talking about prayer. He, he named really the top three prayers mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, he said, when you ask, you seek. And you knock. All right? Asking are petition prayers. All right? That's the second most mentioned um, asking prayer in the New Testament. Then there's the seeking prayer, which is the prayer of consecration. In other words, time that I come before the presence of God and I commune with God. And I come out of there different. It's I come out closer to Him. I come out in a deeper, intimate relationship with Him. But then there's another kind of prayer that most believers don't really get. Um, most believers I know understand petitions. In other words, we can bring God and ask God for things. And the truth be told, if you're a believer in here today and you don't ask God for things, that's why you don't have. That's what the Bible says. You, ha- ask, you have not because you ask not. Let me tell you, believers that don't pray are believers that don't have. And I'm going to be honest with you. You look in your life, your personal life, and look at the areas where you're lacking. And then give an inventory of what you're spending your time doing. Are you praying and asking God over those things? Because asking God... And you need to know something. 
You don't serve an insecure God. He don't mind you asking for anything. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, ask anything in my name. In Jesus' name. And my Father in heaven will do it. Man, you can ask for anything. You can ask for the big house. There's nothing wrong with that. You can ask for the, the big car. You can ask for anything, he said. But let me tell you this. If, you, if you're asking and you're asking wrongly, you won't get it. Let me explain to you what that is. The Bible says in the book of James, it says their prayers were not answered because they were praying amiss. So you can ask for things. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm so glad when I asked for wrong things, God didn't give them to me. Because the girl I was dating before Jennifer, when we broke up, I was sure asking God to fix that. But I'm so glad he didn't, all right? Because that was not God's will for me. And I just wasn't mature enough to get down the road to see that God has good things in store for me. And so, man, I'm, aren't you, how many of you guys are so glad God didn't answer some of those prayers that you were praying? Because you say, well, what made them wrong? Because did they align up with God's plan and will for your life? You can ask wrongly. You can ask prayers wrongly, and they're a miss. He called So their prayers were not answered because they prayed a miss. And so there's a, there's a checklist you can go over about asking. We don't have time to get into those today, but hopefully in the next series we'll do that. But there's asking prayers, then there's seeking prayers, prayers of consecration, where you come and you intimately know God. And I'm telling you, if all you are is a beggar, you're getting the bottom of the barrel. I got to be honest with you, I know a lot of people in my life. And those that spend time with me, getting to know me, and we, we have a relationship, man, when they come before me and say, hey, I need something, man, I go all out. But there are some people, every time I see them, they're like, hey, man, you got a dollar? Hey, man, I got a dollar? I got this one gas station that I avoid now. Because the same guys are every time I go. And I've given him a lot of dollars. But uh, my thing is this. If there's no relationship there. And so I'm not going out of my way. Does that make sense? And so I've learned this. When people, and this is just human. The Bible says, you know, uh, who would ask a father for a fish and to give him a stone? How much more does your father in heaven love? And what I've learned is this. If it works this way in my life, I can understand it works this way in my life too. And people that I have a relationship with and I love them and they love me and we walk through life together and they ask me for stuff. Man, I try to go over abundantly above more than what they ask. That's what I do. And I'm just a human. The Bible says, how much more does God do those things? So, man, you can spend your life asking for things and that be the level of your prayer life. Or you can go to the next level and get a consecration, created prayer life where you spend time seeking Him, just spending time with Him. You say, well, Craig, what does that look like? God, I love you so much. I thank you for being with me today. God, you are so good to me. You've been so good to me, far above what I deserve. I thank you that you've forgiven me and you saved me. I thank you you've given me this. You just thank God, and pray, which brings us to what's called a prayer of thanksgiving. And then there's the prayer of supplication. There's the prayer of agreement. Then there's a prayer of authority, and there's a prayer of faith, and all of those, which is unique, okay? Because there's only one time in the New Testament that that Greek word is used for the prayer of faith. And the word used there for the word prayer of faith is this. There's really, it's not, it's a mixture of Greek words, and it really doesn't make sense. But what it basically means is supernatural power. There is a prayer that has supernatural power, and I believe that is the definition for all of prayer. The Holy Spirit pinned that word in there, which is actually a conglomeration of Greek words put together. When you listen to Greek smart people, what they say is, they say that word really didn't exist. In like, it was like the Holy Spirit made it up. Because there was no way to describe what the power that can be released into your life as a believer through prayer. But a lot of times as believers, we don't get this. And so, in the Old Testament, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13, the Holy Spirit penned this in the Scripture, and it says this, If my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their lands. That's an awesome Scripture. But what this entire scripture hinges on is that little word at the very beginning that says, if. 
That means this, that you, some will and some won't. Some will and some won't. A lot of, for a lot of believers, we believe that prayer is something that we do when we need it. And that's why some do and some don't. When it says if, meaning that there's going to be some that don't do this. I've learned this. Anywhere in my life that needs healing, anywhere in my life that needs God's work in it, then that's an area of my life I need to evaluate and see if I'm praying in. Because it says if, not meaning it will, meaning if. Meaning if I don't, He won't. If I do, He will. So this was written into the Old Testament about the, the written to the to God's people, the children of Israel. He said, "If my people, okay." But then, when Jesus showed up on the scene, something changed. And so, in Luke chapter eleven, we find Jesus talking about prayer as well. But he changed the um, terminology in it, and it says, "This it says now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place." Now. I'm not going to teach the fundamentals of prayer, but I will mention some fundamentals of prayer. Okay? The disciples came to Jesus when he was praying in a certain place. It says that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As also, as John also taught his disciples. And it said this. He said, when you say, and so he said to them, when you pray, say. Now let me stop and just really mess some people up. This always makes people mad. Okay? First of all, Jesus gave the fundamentals of prayer here saying this. That prayer is talking to God. Not Jesus, nor the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people feel like, think, or act as if they have a prayer life when they talk to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I talk to Jesus every day. I talk to Holy Spirit every day. They're part of my life. I believe they talk back to me. But when it comes to prayer... Jesus said, pray to the Father. And you might say, and I've asked Jesus to help me. Well, start asking God. Because the Bible, you, you can't get to God without going through Jesus. Because the Bible says, no one comes to the Father but by me. I'm so thankful for Jesus. But Jesus said this. Jesus said that I have authority because I'm under authority. He said, I don't do anything that I don't see my Father in heaven say or do. So Jesus even prayed to God. If you want to live a believer's life, you need to learn to pray like Jesus did. Jesus didn't get down in a certain place and pray to himself. He said he prayed to God. So you need to change. You say, well, I don't think it's that important. Well, are your prayers being answered? Because in James it says their prayers were not answered because they were praying amiss. I want to be honest with you. You can ask me for anything. There are certain things, though, that I'm not going to be able to do for you. Just going to be honest with you. And Jesus says, I don't do anything unless my Father tells me to do it. See, you're trying to get in out of alignment. And things can't happen in prayer out of alignment. Jesus can't do anything that the Father hasn't told him to do. So you go to the Father and you pray to the Father. You make a relationship with God, your Father. See, a lot of people can't get to God the Father because they have daddy issues. Their daddy was a jerk or their daddy was absent or he was a... So they they like big brother Jesus because he died for us. But I'm telling you, if you'll begin to build a relationship with the Father God, your true Father, you can ask Him anything. He says, you can ask my Father for anything, and He'll do it. God wants to answer prayers in your life. All right, so the first thing it says there is you pray to the Father. Next thing it said there is, it says when Jesus was in a certain place, meaning that prayer was such a priority in His life that it didn't say a place wasn't on his way to work, wasn't uh, doing it when it was convenient. It had a certain place, meaning that it was a priority enough in his life that there were things willing to be stopped and not dealt with while he went and prayed. Prayer, anything important to you has a place. Now, I'm not talking about a war closet. I don't have a war closet. Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of days I don't know where I'm going to be getting up at. <laughs> not, that I, not that I'm drunk going to pass an hour tonight, but my week and my schedule and my work and all that. I, like I say, I don't know, like today, if I had a prayer closet uh, at my house, then I wouldn't be able to get in my prayer What I do is I give the Lord a certain place in my day. All right. All 
He gets certain. My most valuable thing is I have time. Not house. Give me enough time and I can buy a new house. Take my house. But my most valuable thing is my time. So I give God a certain place in my day. And when I give Him a certain place, I give Him time, then it allows me to build and establish the most great, the greatest investment of my time I can spend my day doing. So it says in a certain place. I'm just going to mess some people up. They always get mad when I say this. And then the third principle of prayer is this. You have to say it. You can't think it. Jesus said when you pray, say. He didn't say pray, think. It doesn't work that way. You say, well, God knows everything. He does. He does. But you, what we're about to talk about now is there's more to prayer than just you and God. That's consecration. But prayer is more than consecration. Prayer is more than petition. The Bible says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you shall find. This says, knock. And the door will be open to you. There's another level of prayer that believers don't walk into because they've just not been taught to do it or we've been taught to shy back from it. And that's called the prayer of authority. And the knocking is a prayer that you pray that a believer has access to that can change the world. It has the ability to open doors that have been closed and locked. Has the ability to change circumstances and situations in your life that have been held back. Let me break it down and try to go. I'm going to try to explain this real good if we can real quick. First of all, you need to understand that the way God made you is different than the way he made anything else. When he began to create life on this planet, when he made animals, he made them natural beings. They are naturally on this earth. They live in the natural realm. When he created angels, the Bible said he created angels, spiritual beings. They live, move, and inhabit spiritual realms. Then he decided that he was going to make us. And what he did was he reached into the natural. He scooped up dirt from the natural. But then he breathed into us from the spiritual. So we are double dimensional beings. We were made to live in the natural, but we were to affect it through the spiritual. You are connected to the spirit world just as you live in the natural world. And the, what happens with prayer is this. Prayer reaches into the spiritual world, grabs hold of what God means to be in the natural world, and brings it into the fruition of your life. But people that don't pray never see. That's why Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As a believer, God has put me here to reach into the supernatural, grab hold to his will that is in heaven, and pull it into the natural that is here on earth. But uh, believers that do not pray do not see heaven come to earth. They do not see God's will actively get involved in their life. See, God's plan for you is to be a head, not beneath, be above, not be, uh, be a head, not the tail, above, not beneath. But see, most believers don't. We talked about last week. Most believers have the heart but don't have the hand because they're not spending the life doing what God called them to do, and that is to reach into the supernatural and pull it into the natural. Amen. Nothing else can do that except prayer. Amen. Prayer is the only thing that can bring heaven, God's will, from where He is into your natural, your life, where you are. And believers that are not praying are believers that are not seeing God's will at work in their life. Now you say, well, Craig, that's not true. I'm saved. No, that's a believer that came before you. Because nothing, there's a famous preacher that says, nothing ever happens on earth. And nothing is ever released from heaven unless it was first prayed for here on earth. And believers that don't understand that we're called to live a prayer life are living a life that they're not receiving and benefiting as a believer. All right, so I'm going to break down some things here real quick, if that's okay. Jesus, now, what I love about it is, all right, so in Old Testament it says, if my people. When in the New Testament, when the disciples came to Jesus, he was talking to one guy, but it says disciples and one disciple. If you read it in the book of Matthew, it says the disciples. These were people that now had a relationship with Jesus and they believed He was the Son of God. So these weren't just chosen people anymore. These were believers. In the Old Testament, it was an option. God's people could pray. And if they would pray, then He would bless. 
In the New Testament, Jesus did not say if. What did He say? He said when. Takes the option off the table. As a believer, prayer must be a part of your life. If you have a relationship and you have come into the knowledge of Jesus being Lord of your life, you must be a praying believer. Because if you're not a praying believer, you're never going to live the life of a believer. And I want to break it down, what that life looks like. So he said that he said, our job, we're to pray heaven to earth. And the way we get God's will at work in our life is that we spend time praying. But then you've always got your skeptics that say, no, God is sovereign. God's will is going to be done anyway. That is not true. God is sovereign, but God's will will not be performed anyway. Because although God is sovereign, means He's in complete and total control, you have a misconception that God is controlling. God is in control, but God is not controlling. In other words, you say, well, no, that's not true. Then why did He let Adam and Eve bite the apple? That was not His will. And so what takes place on this earth is when you try to take a passive position in prayer and don't pray as a believer, then what takes place is the enemy's plans and his goals for your life have the right and the ability to take over. 90% of what happens on this earth today is not the will of God. That shooting that happened last week in that Texas school, I'm sorry guys, that is not who you serve, that is not our loving God. That was the work of the devil and demonic spirits destroying lives, stealing, killing. Man, my heart breaks when I saw that. I got an 11-year-old daughter, and I was just sitting there thinking, man, that breaks my heart. So how can that stuff happen? Why would God allow it? Because God has His perfect will, but God also has His permissive will. And anything that you as a believer allow to take place in this earth, it will take place because the devil don't care. He's going to kill, steal, and destroy. But as a believer, God expects us, that's why Jesus says when, us to pray the will of God from heaven down to earth. And if you aren't praying the will of God from heaven down to earth, that's why you're not living heaven on earth. It all takes place in the supernatural realm. That's why He made you a tri-dual being. You are, you are in the natural but you are a supernatural being. Now, we operate in two dimensions. And look what it says in Matthew 16, 19. It says this, And I will give you the, kings of the, king, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, you say, how did that happen at that school? Did any of you guys get up that morning and pray that that would not take place? See, what happens is, then we convince a lot of times, if it don't happen to us, it's not our job to pray over it. If it's not our will, you listen, if we want to see the kingdom of heaven come to earth, we have to decide we're going to have to pray more than what you want and what you, you wish you had in your life. We have to pray what God's will in heaven is. Do you think there was a school shooting in heaven last week? Didn't happen. Why? Because in heaven, God's, God's will is in supreme control. Here on earth, God's given us free moral agents choices to determine and decide whether or not we're going to pray or not and bring His will down there. You say, well, Cricket, there were people praying. I understand there were, but I wasn't. And the responsibility of a believer is that I should rise up every day. If I don't want to see, and I don't believe it's the will of God for there to be school shootings in America, I should get up every day and I should pray. And I should bind the spirit of death, the spirit of murder. I should bind the spirit of mental disease and bind and pray protection over every... I, I do it on one school every day and this breaks my heart. This challenges me. I drop my kids off and I pray over that school. But I had not been praying over your kids' school. But as a believer, nothing happens on earth unless a believer is praying or a believer is not. And so we have this power available to us as believers that yes, asking, yes, seeking, but learning to have a prayer life that goes into the supernatural world of knocking is super important. Let me read this scripture to you. It's found in um, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. It says, I know I'm all over the map up there for you guys. It says this. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then Jesus goes on to say, and I give it to you. 
All right, that's very important. We're going to come back here. But go up to Matthew 11, verse 12. Let's read this one. It says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now. See, the Old Testament said if. But then Jesus makes this weird statement here that something changed from the days of John the Baptist. What was it that changed? It was Jesus came. John the Baptist came and prepared the way of the Lord. So, when Jesus came, prayer no longer should be an if for a believer. Prayer has to be a win. It must be a part of our lives. It says says this, because from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Alright? And something about prayer. Prayer has the ability to release things in the Spirit that nothing else can. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that Prayer, as believers, we have powerful prayers. Prayers of a righteous man availeth much. They're powerful. You want me to geek out on you real quick for a second? All right. The word power is very important here. Because in physics, the word work means the amount of force it takes to move an object from one place to another. That's work. The definition for power is the rate at which work is done. In other words, work is what we're called to do. That's faith without works is dead. God, you're going to work. You're going to have to work the will of God. But the thing about it is prayer is what releases how fast the will of God comes about in your life. You can struggle living for a Christian, struggle trying to be a believer, but you move into prayer and you're not struggling in it by yourself. There comes a tag team because Daniel, the Bible says this, that battle began so that it stopped the building of Jerusalem. So Daniel here in chapter 10 says, went before the Lord and he prayed. And for 21 days he prayed. He asked God to fix this thing. Let's pick that up right there. I want you to see this. Well, first, let me, let me tell you, Cricket, I don't believe this fighting thing. Go to Revelations eleven twelve. It says this. And a war broke out in heaven. Okay. Oh, well, God's in control. Now, there's a war in the heavens. The devil's trying to stop everything that God has promised you in your life. And it says, And Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. Nor was a place found in them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out and that the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He, is cast, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. There is a war going on. It was in heaven... That Michael and his angels are stronger than the devil, praise God, and they cast him out. Now me and you are in a war. That's why we're called to pray heaven to earth. But the devil's here warring. And the Bible says that Daniel, in the book of Daniel, Daniel was praying because God had promised something, but it did not look like it was coming about. Has that ever happened to you? That there's a promise in the Word of God, and it don't look like it's happening in your life? It brought God's promise to save your children, but they're living as far from God as you possibly can. God promised you prosperity, and you're broke as a joke. And God's promised you help, but you got a doctor's cancer. Check out what Daniel did. The Bible says, Daniel prayed for 21 days. And we're going to pick up in verse 12, and it said this. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. Now, what happened was the Bible says the angel Gabriel, on the 21st day, the angel Gabriel, very, very important, appeared before Daniel. And he said this. He says... Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel. Gabriel is talking to Daniel. For from the very first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God and your words, this is when it became prayer, not attitude. This is when it became prayer and not thoughts. Words began to get involved. Okay? It says your words were heard. didn't say your thoughts, your positioning, you're going to check your words. Alright? We're heard. It says, I have come because of why? Your words. What did he come because of God's promise? No. It was promised that it would be rebuilt, but it was hindered by the devil. It says, I've come because of your words. It came because of his prayer life. And this is what it says. Check it out. It says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. In other words, Gabriel came down to bring the answer. And for 21 days... Gabriel was fighting this demonic spirit, trying to, the, Daniel was trying to answer the, uh, Gabriel was trying to answer the prayer, but this demonic spirit kept holding it back. But then check out what it says. It says, the prince for 21 days, 
21 days. And behold, Michael. I love this. I've never seen this before. It says, and then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. In other words, Daniel prayed and God sent Gabriel. And Gabriel was in this battle and Gabriel couldn't win. He couldn't get through. But it said, because of your words, you kept praying. You kept praying for 21 days that God saw that I wasn't getting through. So he sent the best angel I got to come and fight this battle for you. You say, Cricket, uh, I, I prayed about it. I agree. And God, I know her, here's the prayers of the believers. But if you aren't learning to pray as a believer, which is a knocking prayer, learning to pray with authority as a believer is supposed to pray, your angel's probably still tied up in heaven fighting. But see, that will not prevail if you learn to be a praying believer. Because what God will do is, if your angel can't get through, and every one of you have an angel. Did you know that? Every one of you have an angel. He gives his angels charge about you to keep you in all your ways. Did you know our church? You know our church doesn't do everything that our church could do? Because our church, the Bible says in Revelation, has a ministering angel over it. See, and because... A lot of times we don't move into praying as a believer. We move staying begging and asking and just getting to know God. We don't move into this next level of praying. Our angel spends all his time fighting. But it says, because of your words, he sent a warring angel that broke through and got the victory and made God's word stay true to what God said. And you say this. You say, well, Cricket, no, God's prophecy was going to happen anyway. You know, that's not what the Bible says. Just because God said it doesn't mean it can't change. Let me prove it to you. All right? The Bible told Jonah that in 40 days' time, he's going to destroy Nineveh. Did Nineveh ever get destroyed? No, didn't. Do you know what changed? The Bible says the king believed what God had said. And he went before the Lord and changed clothes. He ripped his clothes and he got before the Lord and he prayed and asked God. And prayer changed the prophecy of God. I'm here to tell you this. You don't think prayer has the power to shift something in the supernatural? Man, there's nothing more powerful than a prophetic word. But I can tell you this. The prayer of believers has the power to reach into the supernatural and pull out what the will of God in our lives is for. It was not God's will for Nineveh to be destroyed, but the prophecy God was because they hadn't turned toward God was to destroy it. The Bible says it's not God's will for any to perish. But see, when that... King started praying. He believed God's word. And he started praying. He became a believer and began to pray. Man, it changed his destiny. There was a king that was sentenced to death. Prophesied he was going to die. And the Bible says he went and he prayed before the Lord. And God added ten years to him. I tell you, God can change your situation if you would learn to pray the way a believer prays. And so I want to I want to get into it real quick. I know where is that I want to give you real quick because I've told you all this about believing prayers. But I didn't tell you how to pray these prayers. And it is no good to know they're there and not know how to use them. So stay with me just a couple minutes, okay? Now, in Luke eleven twenty, it says this. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own place, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes up to him... And overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor and which he tested, trusted, and devices and divides his spoil. There is a spiritual understanding that there are strong men. The devil has strong men, and God has strong men. The devil's strong men are the demonic spirits that have been holding back the promises of God in your life. You know who your strong man is? You. We are God's strong men. And see, this is what the Bible says. When we don't take position as the strong man and guard our possessions, and we do this through prayer, the Bible says that the enemy's strong man, which would be stronger than us, can come and take. But we are stronger than him. The Bible says he gave us the keys of the kingdom. When we as believers stand strong and pray the prayers of believers, it binds. The Bible says what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Learning to pray believers' prayers changes everything about your life. And the life of a believer is this. When they pray for things, it happens. Prayer works. It's the most powerful force that has ever been put into the life of a believer in the entire universe. So what keeps our prayers from happening? Number one, people have wrong thinking about God. 
They think God's going to do what He wants to do anyway. That's not true. If you haven't gotten this out of the message I've preached so far, go back and read the story of Jonah. Go back and read the stories where God's heart was to do was to destroy the children of Israel. But Moses stepped up before God and prayed and said, Don't kill them, God. Give them another chance. And it says it changed his mind. All right? So you got to move to the thinking that what I do does affect the will of God. And as a believer, me not praying allows the enemy to have control of my life. But as a believer, if I pray, then I have authority as a believer. God is in control. He's just not controlling you own, some, another wrong thinking is you only can rely on the mercies of God. You, some people believe that you have to just ask God and hope that you're good enough to get what He gives you. Man, He's not that kind of a God. And you're not that kind of a person. When you accept Jesus, I don't care what you did before, it's no longer held to your account. You, God does not look at you as a saved sinner. He looks at you as a child of God. And so you've got to understand that you can't change what, how much God loves you and what God has made you into being, no matter how many times you've messed up. Another thing is we believe that, well, if I can just pray enough or long enough, I can get God to move. We've always got a chain on God trying to pull Him into our situation with prayer. That's not the way God works. You can't pray enough to get God to move on your behalf. He might, you know what I'm saying? He saved you because He said in His Word He would if you would do what He said. But we can't move God by begging. We can't move God by just moaning and crying. The Bible says that what He does is He, he answers our prayers, not because we begged Him, it's because we asked. All right? So if you think that you've got to beg God or you've got to pray, I used to think I've got to pray one hour. I've got to pray at least an hour. I've got to be honest with you. That was some tough days of living. Now, I don't pray long. I just don't go long without praying. When do I pray? Paul said this, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? That means prayer should be a part of every part of my life. It shouldn't just be when I need help. If you're only praying when you need help, you're missing out on the most powerful tool God's given you. And, you know, I, was, I told the earlier, I'm going to speed this up, but I told the earlier, are you watching the Ukraine war right now? It's amazing how this little country is whooping Russia. All right? But most Christians go into their life living like Russia has been fighting this battle. All right? They think it's going to be a quick and easy battle. They step in. The enemy just whoops on them. All right? And so then they go back. Did you know I read last week that Russia has over 10,000 tanks in its storehouses and its reserves. They've been saving for a day of war. But they've been in there so long and not been used, they're no longer usable. That's what prayer is for most believers. They don't go get it until they need it. And they hadn't used it in so long, they don't even remember or have the confidence or the faith to use it because they hadn't prayed in so long, it doesn't work for them anymore. I'm telling you, prayer must be a part of a believer's life. And when a prayer becomes a part of a believer's life, Number one thing that happen is you get authority in prayer. Let me show you what authority does. My daughter came in the room the other day crying, bawling, squalling, Daddy Haley's being mean to me. And I said, Isla, go tell her. Daddy said, stop. And she goes, I already did. I told her to stop and she won't. I said, did you say Daddy said? And she said, no. And I said, go tell her Daddy said. And I walked in and I heard her. She walked in and goes, Daddy said you better not do it again. <laughs> and wasn't a few minutes later, here comes Haley bopping into my room. <laughs> Did you really say that? Did you? She knew that she couldn't take a chance of breaking the authority that I'd given that kid. See, most believers don't understand that you have authority as a God. You're not begging Him for something. It says that in Matthew, it says that, it says that Jesus... Came and spoke and says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, and I give it to you. You now have authority in heaven and in earth. But if you don't use it, you're going to fight your own battle. Do you know what authority does? All right, I'm a preacher and I marry people. And one of the parts of marrying people is this for it to be a legal considered wedding. I either have to sign saying this or I have to say it publicly. I say, by the power invested in me by the state of Arkansas. And as a minister of the gospel, you don't have to put that part in there. It says, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Let me show you what this is. 
by me standing in place, and I say this, what it's saying is this, as a person, I have power available to me to create miracles in two people's lives. Because marriage defined in the Bible is two becoming one. Two lives becoming one. So the state of Arkansas has given me, because I'm a minister on the books in the state of Arkansas, the power to marry, make two lives legally become one. Alright? So this is the way prayer works. As a believer, God has given you the power. What is power? It is the ability to speed up the work of God. I'm telling you, it's the ability to speed up the work of God. And so, God's given you the power. It says this, though. But where do I get this power? It says, invested in me. What does that word invested mean? That investo, Brother George, doesn't investo in Spanish mean clothed? Or say, what is it, something like that? It's, it means clothed. Alright? So what it is, used to preachers dressed a certain way. I don't dress like a preacher no more. But it's still part of what we say. And it says, by the power invested in me. In Isaiah 61, this is what the Word of God says about you. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For He has clothed me with garments of salvation. And He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself in ornaments. It says, as a bride adorns herself with jewels, you are clothed. So you now have, as a believer, an outfit. The New Testament calls it the armor of God. You are dressed for battle. And you have been given power. How do you get power? It says this, by the authority invested in me by the state of Arkansas. If you, I have no power to marry anybody unless the governing body involved has given me the authority and the power. Meaning, I can't marry you if we go to Florida without me going to the governing body in Florida, the courthouse, and me filling out a petition to get a minister's license in the state of Florida. I am, in Arkansas, have the power. And look at this. I don't have to go ask Arkansas every time I go to marry somebody anymore. Why? Because they've granted me the power. Does that make sense? As a believer, Jesus said, I've granted you the power, all power, and all authority. It's yours. You don't got to go back begging God to give you authority over the demonic spirits. Begging you. You have authority as a believer. And it's been clothed on you. It's not what you've done. Well, if I could, if I could, well, how do, how do you get the power? Same thing as you do with electricity. You know, electricity has a source. And then what you do is when you connect a conduit to a source, power runs through. That conduit. Now look here. Why are some people's prayers more powerful than other prayers? Is because power, electricity, will always run through the most conductive material available. That's why a bird can sit up on a line and not get shocked. Because the, the line is more conductive than the bird. And so a lot of people say, well, Cricket, I prayed. Well, are you conductible? Are you conductible? Are you the, what does conductible mean? Are you trying to live holy? Are you living consecrated? Are you living a life that is beyond yourself? Because the more conductible I become, the more power God will flow through me. I have authority. I have power. When I make myself conductible and I allow this source of that power to flow through me without being clogged up with sin or, or things like that in my life that would stop conductibility, then when I step up, the power invested in me, I now pronounce you. The Bible says that what we do is we start speaking to mountains, and the Bible says mountains have to move. You are moving to a place. A believer's prayer is not the same prayer as a sinner or even an unbeliever. We have power in our prayer. I can step up and say, in the name of Jesus, devil, you take your cancer and every disease you have put on my body, and I cast you out, and you must go. And the authority invested in me by the power of Jesus, I pronounce your plans and your wills void in my life right now. What you've got to understand is prayer is a power. And it's not yours. 
It comes from someone greater than you. But He's given it to you. And most believers pray over what's happened. And they're not praying over what's going to happen. So therefore, they are constantly getting beat up and bombarded. What the enemy does. And then they run to their foxhole to ask God to do. When do you pray? Paul said this. Pray in all kinds of prayer at all times. When you get up in the morning as a believer, you should start declaring and pronouncing what God says your day will be. And as you're walking through your day and the enemy brings things up against you, you should start declaring, pronouncing, and declaring and demanding and commanding that the enemy and the devil run and move. Then you should get to the end of your day and you should start declaring that tomorrow will be greater than my today because my latter should be greater than my former. You have to take the authority of a believer and you start proclaiming and declaring. You align yourself. This is the way it works. How do you get authority? This is how Jesus said it. He says, I have authority because I'm under authority. This is how a believer gets authority. He quits begging. He moves into a prayer and he aligns himself under what the will of God is. This is the problem, though. Most believers have no idea what the will of God for their life is. So they just hope God will do something good. Because God's good. But see, when I find out what God said is going to happen in my life, I was telling the early church, I I have a construction company, and I work with HOA stuff, and I work with this one HOA that, HOA is a board of owners. And there's this one owner that just don't like me. Just don't like me. I mean, I'm telling you, she won't even talk to me, won't wave, don't like me. I guess I, I mean, I may have got a contract from her friend. I don't know what the deal is. Everybody else loves me. That's why they can keep me on because one voice can't outweigh 12. And so um, she don't like me. And so the other day when I realized, you know what, I had to go there and do something. I knew she was going to be there. And I was like, oh. I was dreading it so bad. And I said, you know what, I'm just not going to let the devil ruin this for me. I'm going to take the... the authority of a believer and so on my way there not once I got there not once it got bad and once she got rude said in the name of Jesus I declare that your word says that when my ways please you that even my enemies will be at peace with me so I declare when I walk into there she may not like me but she has to be nice to me she may not like me but she has to be kind. She may not like me. And so I started just declaring in the name of Jesus. I didn't let my prayers be reactive. My prayers became proactive. And when I got there, she was driving off. And you know what she did? She just waved. But that's a lot more than what she'd been with all five fingers. I've been waved at with one, but all five waved this time. That's a huge deal, okay? But I'm saying this. Prayer believers have a prayer life that has power in the natural from the supernatural. But if you are not praying the prayers of a believer, you're just praying the prayers of a sinner. You're missing out on the greatest life. Our job is to pray God's will in heaven be done in our life and on earth. And as I declare what the Word of God says over my kids, I say I declare that. They get up and they go to school and they're going to be the smartest in their class. And I declare that they're going to have the mind of Christ and they're going to be anointed. And that every kid they come in contact with will be affected by the Spirit of God on the inside of them. Because greater is Him that is in them than them that is in the world. And I declare that the school system is not going to change who my kids are. My kids are going to change who the school system is. And I declare and I pronounce and I command the devil to take the wrong friends out of their path. And I command the devil to not bring any hurt, harm, bother, offending. And you know what has to happen? The devil has to obey because God has already given us the victory. Believers' prayers are different. There's a lot of times I have to pray on my way home from work. Dear Lord, I thank you that Jennifer has a sweet spirit when I get there today. Because <laughs> I know she's going to remember I did something. I left the dish. And there are times I have to declare over my, my marriage. I have to declare over my kid my finances. I declare what the Word of God says. Now, let me tell you this, and I'm done. How do you do it? How do you do it? In John 3, 1 and 2, you've got to understand what the heart of God is. And John prayed this. He said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. And be in health, just as your soul prospers. Right now, the economy is shifting and changing. And I'm telling you what's taking place in the economy is, I know this because I do contract to contract. They're offering, they're gonna, I just got offered a contract for $1,600 a month. And it's really worth $2,200. So I turned it down. Because I'm not going to let this circumstance 
of what's going on, the temperature out there affect the life of a believer. So I turn that one down. I'm starting to declare that even though businesses around me are going to fall, a thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand may fall, but no harm's going to come to me. I declare that my finances are going to continue to go up. And I began to declare this, just like Isaac. When other people went through famine, he continued to work. And it says he planted in the time of famine and his harvest grew a hundredfold. I've been declaring that in this economy season, when other businesses and other finances crash, that I'm going to prosper like no one else has. And I'm telling you, if you're not praying that, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Obviously, we have not because we asked Whatever you pray for in the supernatural that aligns itself under the will of God, then you are bringing heaven into earth. And that's why people don't live heaven on earth. It's because, one, they don't know what the Word of God says, and two, they aren't willing to stand up and pray like a believer. So start your day off in prayer. You pray when the enemy fights you during the day. And you pray at the end of your day, and you declare that your tomorrow is going to be... I know I'm a, somebody's got to get this real quick. Joseph... In the Bible, when the economy changed, they had seven years of plenty, and in the economy changed, there were seven years of lack. Joseph continued to pray and continued to be who he was. And when the world went broke the first year, Joseph got richer than he'd ever been. The Bible says he actually got all the money in the world, if you're reading King James. The second year, in the famine, Joseph moved into, and he got all the land and livestock. He began to take territory. Now that's, I'm telling you, that's what God's plan and will for believers in this next season. And if you can raise your faith here, you're going to take territory. I'm fixing to own properties that I don't own right now because what's going to happen out there is not going to happen in here. I'm fixing to go forward. All right? Then it said on the year, third year of famine, they said, the people came to him and said, take our lives. They couldn't even support themselves. They were going to die. And he said this, go back to your land. Now that he owned them, in other words... He has reached them for the kingdom of God, for the purposes of God. Go back to your land and plant your harvest. Now check this out. It was third year famine. There were still four more. He said, go back and plant and bring back one-fifth to the purposes of God. Bring back to the kingdom. And the Bible says that that's what took place for the last five years, or last four years of the famine, was ground that could not grow began to produce five times more than it could. Even when the economy was crashing around it. Why? Because a believer was involved and began to tell you. He didn't say, he, Joseph didn't go and say, God, should I tell them to do that? No. He began to declare the will of the Lord. And, that, and he said this, what the enemy meant for harm, God turned to save many. There's a turning in, the, in your life. I'm telling you, it's got to happen. But it don't happen in the natural. The turning, the shift has to take place in the prayer of the believers. And if you can learn to pray, there's nothing that can stop you. Now, I want to say, so what do you do? Number one, you got to know who you are in Christ. Most believers don't. Most believers don't know that God wants them healed. Most believers don't believe that God wants them prosperous. Most believers don't know that God has a purpose connected to their success. So, number one, you got to know you are. So what does that mean? You know who you are and whose you are. I got this phrase I'm using. It's called Godfidence. I don't have any confidence in me, but I'm putting all my confidence in Him. I may not deserve any of it, but I'm getting some Godfidence going on in my life, and it's going to change the way I pray. It ain't about me. I'm going to pray with Godfidence. I know what God's Word says, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to partner with that. All right? Number two, I don't believe your prayers can be as powerful as they can be without you being filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. You say, Cricket, I don't like that. Well, I watched the disciples' life struggle until Acts chapter 2. It says, and when they received the Holy Spirit, they received power. And we never saw them the same way in Acts. We saw them in the Gospels. Prayers were answered for them when they got the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, Cricket, I don't know about this Holy Spirit thing. And the Holy Spirit don't make people weird. If, you, if it does, they were weird before they got filled. I'm glad the Holy Spirit will fill weird people. But I also believe this, that the Holy Spirit will empower anyone that wants and receives the Holy Spirit. 
And so you, if you say, Craig, I don't know about that, then you need to start doing as much study on the Holy Spirit as you can. We're going to teach on it in a couple weeks. But you need to do as much study because your prayers can only be as powerful as the conduit or the source that it's plugged into. And the source that we have available to us is the Holy Spirit. Number three, you have to learn this. You play from a place of victory. You don't pray for victory. Listen, you've got to get this because if you don't, you won't pray it. You play from a play. I am healed. I'm not going to be healed. I am blessed. I'm not going to be blessed. A prayer that's waiting for God to do it is not a prayer that's saying it's done. And Jesus said it's finished. The work of the cross was enough. He gave you the keys of the kingdom. And you got to understand that you don't pray pulling God into your situation. We pray and we push the devil out because we're already victorious. God says we're more than conquered. So what that means, it takes a mind shift. And that's hard. Because when you're really dealing with sickness and when you're really dealing with cancer, it's hard to say I'm healed. But the way you do that is you take the Word of God. And you read the Word of God until you got it. And you stand up and you don't pray hoping He will. You pray knowing He has. And there's a difference. And I wish I could give you a formula to make that happen. All I can tell you is this. You have to meditate on the Word day and night. You have to get... I'm going to give you a scripture in just a minute. Okay? And you're going to... This is going to be your scripture. You have to take it. And you have to read it until you believe it. Okay? Because everything about your situation is going to say it's not true. But a believer can speak to a mountain and tell it to be removed. And that mountain will be thrown into a sea. Alright? Number four. You have to pray with confidence. Pray with confidence. This is what it says in John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says this, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. Do you know what confidence is? Confidence is, I don't care what you say. I know the way it is. You say, but cricket, you don't, you don't get it. I do get it. I don't care what you say. It's when you start caring what the devil says that you lose your confidence. When you start caring, you start believing, you start feeling, you start allowing it to stay, that he says you're not healed, you're going to die. That's when you allow... When, you, when he says it, oh well, oh well, oh well. You know how many times the devil tells me I'm not qualified to do what I do? You know what I have to do? Because I know what I was. I have to say, well, the redeemed of the Lord needs to say so. And so what I tell the devil is, man, you're such a screw up. I say, so? <laughs> so? I have to tell the devil so all the time. Well, you've got, the doctor said you got cancer. So? So? The Bible says that by his stripes I'm healed. This is what the Bible says, Ann. In Isaiah 58, 8, it says this, healing will come quickly. It says healing will come quickly. I'm declaring today your healing is going to come quickly. This battle, you've been through this long tears. It's going to stop. You understand? you got to read this. i got another scripture for you. I wrote it down right here. i got to get back to it. I know I stuck it in here. I might have to text it to you. But it says this. God says that He has made you His crown. And He has made you victorious. And you will not be defeated. Okay? I want to pray with you today. I want to pray with anybody in here today. A prayer of a believer. Not a prayer of hope. Not a prayer of made. I got to take that. I want a prayer, a prayer of a believer. That says this. I know what God has said about my situation. And I'm going to declare. And I'm going to put it out here. Just like the word of God went out in Genesis. It turned darkness to light. The Word of God still does it when we declare it. And when we declare it, we pray out loud the will of God in our lives. Our life becomes in perfect alignment with what He is and doing. And we become a conduit for the heaven to come to earth. But it doesn't happen without the person believing. A believing life is a praying life. So if you're here today and you've got, a, got an issue that needs prayer, you say, well, how do you know if it's an issue? Is there anything in your life that is causing you worry? That's what it says. It says, worry about nothing. 
But what? Pray about everything. Not denying the existence of there being a problem. But instead of worrying about it and complaining about it, you take to it and you begin to declare and you speak the Word of God and you begin to tell that problem that it will line up with what the Word of God says because you have been given all authority as a believer. I have authority over that. You say, Cricket, I, 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 you, I'm telling you, wish I, could, I wish I could get you to see this. I dare you to step into your work or into your, your world tomorrow and begin to declare what the Word of God says about your greatest word. I declare that, and you're going to live and not die. And declare the glory of the Lord. I declare my kids are going to serve the Lord every day of their life. There will not be a day that they wake up and not know who He is. You've got to declare. That's the prayer of a believer. It's authority.